0: Hello and welcome to Leather Talk with Mr. Bullet Leather 2020. I'm your host, Brandon. Today's guest comes all the way from Melbourne, Australia and has been in the fetish community for 12 years. She's into roleplay, leather and rubber and is currently a member of the Melbourne Rubber Committee. Get ready for some more leather talk. Everybody, this is Brandon, your Mr. Bullet Leather 2020, and today we have sweet Gwendolyn. Hi, Gwendolyn.
1: Hi. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm great. So honored to be here with you, Brandon. I'm
0: so happy to have you here. Um, you, well, Gwendolyn, would you mind introducing yourself to our audience, please?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm uh, sweet Gwendolyn, or just Gwen. I'm 32. I'm from Melbourne, Australia. Um, I identify as a cis woman uh, and specifically as a femme. Okay. Um, I'm pansexual um, and I've been in the fetish community for 12 years. Awesome, awesome. And uh, we actually got connected
0: through uh, a previous guest of the show, uh, Liam Clark. Uh, how well right. do you know Liam?
1: I know Liam very well. I've known him from when he won uh, the fir- the inaugural title of Melbourne Rubber Man in 2016, uh-huh. and yeah, we're quite close friends, and um, yeah, through our Melbourne Rubber community, uh, get to see a lot of each other.
0: How cool! How cool! I know he um, he's he's amazing. Now now that I have more than one guest from Melbourne, it just makes me want to go there even more.
1: <laughs> oh, there's plenty more. There's plenty more to meet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so before we get too deep here um I do have to ask is there a story behind your name sweet Gwendolyn
1: yes so when I started off in the fetish scene I chose the out on fet life as well I chose the name new pony Mm -hmm. and I had that for about a year um but then I came across some really beautiful uh vintage fetish artwork by John Willie, and I'm sure many of our listeners will know what I'm talking about. This is sort of Betty Page era, Irving Law, um, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. And uh, there was the main character in the comic, Sweet Gwendolyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looked a lot like me, so she was curvy, she had long, blonde, curly hair. Um, she liked, she was usually on the uh, receiving end of bondage. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take that as my pseudonym. So <laughs> so I did. So I had my username as Sweet Gwendolyn and yeah, it's stuck.
0: Oh wow. I, I just googled Sweet Gwendolyn, the comic. <laughs>
1: and you're right, there
0: is a striking resemblance. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm very flattered. But yeah, it was just it was just the perfect the perfect coincidence and it yeah, it felt right. How interesting.
0: And this this looks like a fairly old comic. I'll I'll have to put links up in, in the description. Oh yeah. Um yep. And you're saying this is what, back in like the 60s or so?
1: I think most of his work was in the 50s. Okay. um, But there are so many beautiful, like, um, vintage fetish artists um, from from anywhere between the 40s and the 60s. Wow. And uh, obviously, most famously, we know Betty Page as being sort of the model for a lot of this um, early bondage photography.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So how long have you had the name um sweet Gwendolyn then
1: oh about like if it's been 12 years out in the scene it's been 11 Mm. years as sweet Gwendolyn and yeah like uh, most people do know me as Gwen so yeah
0: so if I'm walking around Melbourne and I see you I'm gonna say sweet
1: Gwendolyn (laughs) you can (laughs) yeah how romantic I
0: love it I love it well I always like to start off with um sort of a, a coming out story, if you will, an, an origin story. Um, and so I wonder if, if you have something like that, I mean, you, you said you consider yourself pansexual, is that right? Yeah. Okay. So when did you first discover that for yourself or, or have like an inkling that you were something other than like the norm?
1: Well, I probably didn't fully understand it, but I definitely had um, fantasies about women Mm-hmm. In my teens. Okay. Um, and it wasn't something I got to explore t- until my adulthood. Um, and so I guess I I probably mislabeled myself as straight for a while. Okay. Um, just acknowledging that perhaps I had a preference for men or that was the default. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as I've gotten older, I'm um, acknowledging that queerness... And um, trying to make it more visible in my life.
0: Okay. Now, do you remember your first, um, like, experience with someone who
1: wasn't a man? I probably can't pinpoint the um, the first one. Um, okay. There are a couple of early ones, but I <laughs> probably can't pinpoint that first one.
0: All right. Awesome. Awesome. Now, are you open about your fetish and kink life or pansexual life with your family and friends?
1: Uh very much so. In fact, uh funnily enough, more the fetish and kink than the sexuality.
0: Oh really? Okay. So, um uh
1: less people know that I identify as pansexual than they do about my kink. Uh maybe because my kink is very visible. Um so I you know I really like dressing up. I love fetish wear. Um my my partner, who is male, is also kinky. Um, so I think people see that when they get to know me. Mm-hmm. But I think just because, um, I think I get misread as straight. Okay. Um, because of my long term relationship. Yeah, and, um, yeah, it, I it's could a see Be more private about about maybe who I tell.
0: Okay. Okay. So, I mean, I just, are your parents still around? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Okay, so they know you're kinky and fetishy. I mean, like, how does that go? <laughs> um,
1: I'm pretty candid with my mum. Okay. Uh, my dad is aware of it, um, but uh, I think he just prefers it not to be a topic of conversation. Okay. And yeah, it was quite it was quite difficult, sort of, gradually coming out to them. Um, and I don't know how um, accepting they are of it, but that they, they are aware of it. Okay. Well, that's kind of cool
0: that your parents yeah, are like on all right. the page with you.
1: It's, it's all right. It's all right. It's not, it's not ideal, but it's, it, it's functional.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think my parents would probably die if they found out that I was kinky. Um, so I'm waiting oh, okay. for the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember saying that I was gay and it was like a whole thing. So I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah. It can be quite challenging. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so what about your kinkiness then? If you know, if we can't if if you don't quite remember like pinpointing where you maybe realize that you were pansexual, what about your kinky, fetishy side? I mean, how old were you when you realized, hmm, like I'm interested in something more than just, you know, quote unquote vanilla sex?
1: Yeah, well, I'm pretty fortunate to have discovered it early in my adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um I knew again, going back to you know fantasies as a teenager um there were the of being uh spanked or being you know um uh sort of tenderly dominated by someone so i was aware that i didn't want it to be um abusive i actually wanted it to be you know a game and something something fun and i liked the i liked the idea of role play and i it was uh at the age of 18 i saw the movie secretary okay um i i'm sure um few of our kinky audience will know this movie and that just cemented it for me uh, everything about that um uh, the, the power dynamic between the characters and some of the um, kinks that they explore I'm just like oh my gosh I am all in <laughs> I I have to find I have to find where you know where I can meet people like this and what parties I could go to and um so I sort of scoured the internet and i found a couple of events but i hadn't worked up the courage to go by myself i mean at, th- at this age i was 18 19
0: 20
1: uh-huh. so still quite young um and it was coincidentally um i met my now partner um mm. doing we used to do community theater together and we were initially just friends
0: okay. but he
1: said a few things that I thought oh maybe this guy is kinky and on uh on the last night of one of the plays we were doing he dressed up in latex oh. and i'm like oh my goodness this person is exactly what i'm into and i better ride his coattails um <laughs> because he's going to show me what parties to go to and who to meet and and so it was this lovely coincidence of meeting um someone that was into it um mm-hmm. at the like time and initially yeah it started as a friendship and we went to some events together
0: okay well I've never seen the secretary but now I'm gonna go on the internet and find it and rent it's pretty
1: good it's (laughs) I feel um it's not perfect but I feel it respectfully deals with kink and it doesn't pathologize it
0: Uh uh-huh do you remember like a specific scene where you were like oh shit
1: Oh, gosh, the opening scene, uh, this isn't spoiling too much, I guess, because it is the opening scene, but it's sort of uh, you see an empty office room and um, she walks in in some um, uh, spreader bar and collar and cuffs around her wrists and spreader bars on her shoulders and she just confidently walks in and picks up a piece of paper from the typewriter with her teeth And then walks out and shuts this sort of um, grand-looking office door. Uh And you're just like, wow, what is going on in that room? (laughs) (laughs) I hope I haven't spoiled it, but it is. That's just the opening.
0: Uh, No, wow, I'm intrigued. I really am. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I'm not the best at geography, but I'm guessing Melbourne is not like the biggest place on the planet.
1: Oh, um, I think it's a city of about Five million people. And I, okay. I do believe it's mo- it's Australia's most populated city. Um, okay. It's very cosmopolitan. Yeah, may- maybe not maybe not as populated as some of the cities in the U.S. But, uh, yeah, we've got a pretty healthy, healthy scene here.
0: Okay. So you do not feel like, oh, I live in this small area. What am I going to do? How am I going to find this kind of culture out
1: there? No, not at all. I, I, like, I'm a city girl. I grew up in a fairly inner suburb. Okay. And um, I felt the like the, uh, There's actually a sh- uh, there's a couple of fetish um, shops in Melbourne, um, but one of them I walked past as a teenager and wanted to go inside. Obviously, I didn't. But um, <laughs> Lucrezia and Desaad in uh, Brunswick Street in Fitzroy, for anyone that uh, uh, knows them, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a beautiful shop and they do very um, kinky um, displays in their shop window.
0: Wow, what is the um, age of, of consent there here we, it's like eighteen and older. Is it the same over there?
1: Um, I believe so. Um, I think I think it might be sixteen to have sex.
0: Okay. okay. But,
1: um, yeah, I'm that's not really sure. <laughs> interesting.
0: <laughs> and what was the discussion like about sex growing up with your family?
1: oh goodness me um not great um (laughs) i was raised in a very conservative uh, greek culture okay and um yeah i had very very few conversations about sex um and uh, that that did leave me i think quite a bit in the dark Mm -hmm. i remember reading um this there was a teen girls magazine called dolly um in Australia, and they had like a dolly doctor. They had like a health section where people could write in, and they'd answer questions. And I first uh, remember reading about masturbation in that in that magazine, and it was it was a very um, uh, um, appropriate age appropriate description of it, given okay. it was for teenage girls. But um, yeah, I think so definitely some of my sex education came from magazines like that
0: now when you say conservative greek do you mean like greek orthodox like religiously conservative or just socially conservative
1: socially conservative i wasn't raised religious okay but it's interesting uh i think so greek culture is very entwined with the greek orthodox religion Mm -hmm. um and i think uh, although my parents are very left-leaning um, just some ideas about, you know, what was right and wrong and, and sort of expectations on me as a woman um, were quite quite strict, yeah. and old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. So I really had to break away from that. Um, so
0: considering the fact that your family, like, you didn't really have an open conversation mm. about sex growing up, um, do you remember what your first sexual experience was like? And did you even know that it was sexual at that point?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to um, flag a trigger warning for our audience. Mm -hmm. Um, This is just some discussion of something non-consensual in my youth.
0: Okay, thank you so much for that little heads up. Um, So for those audience members who may be sensitive to certain material like this, this would be a good time to maybe skip forward about 30 seconds or so.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, I had a couple of instances of assault in my teens Mm. um, and I didn't, I was very naive. So I think I I went in without a lot of uh, sort of sexual literacy Mm. to um, navigate through that. Um, So that was quite unfortunate. However, in also discovering kink in my early adulthood, I found that Refreshing and and the um, sort of how people were upfront about negotiation and consent and safe words and putting articulating uh, what they were interested in and what they weren't interested in. I found that a real saving grace for me mm-hmm. um, because it was very um, transparent. So suddenly, having grown up in a um, environment where I couldn't talk about sex, I was given the tools now to be able to put words to that. So I find that really amazing and also really hot to be able to put words to what you want.
0: Yeah. It's a really interesting <clears throat> that you say that. And first I want to say thank you for being so transparent, you know, with you. with your past. And I I know there's plenty of listeners out there who have gone through, you know, similar things and can probably relate. And it's just, it's interesting that you say that you found consent to be a highlight of the kink community i think a lot of people Mm. on the outside looking in don't even think that that's a factor and it's it's true i mean um i don't know if you've heard mistress melissa's episode on leather talk but she says consent is uh what does she say consent is sexy and it, it is because you know when you can discuss something like that and everything that you want is laid out on the table then you know you're not you know you're not afraid to say what you need and want in, in an encounter. And you can feel totally open in that whole experience, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I very much agree, Mistress Melissa. And um, it is, uh, I know from early days going out to events, the events I'd go to have a really clear policy about Mm -hmm. consent while you're at the event.
0: I, I really appreciate that. And so I'm curious to know what was your first, like, consensual sexual experience like once you had learned what that was
1: yeah oh it was fantastic it was it was with my now my now primary partner john who's mm-hmm. actually also my fiance okay. um and we had this was the, the the person i'd mentioned earlier that i'd met at the theater and so um the, the 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 moment that it turned from a friendship to a to a romantic relationship we we had a forbidden kiss on a um, dance floor of a gay nightclub which was a little bit taboo, <laughs> taboo in <laughs> itself, in sounds itself. Like,
0: um, I, I have this running joke that I find punk, good punk band names and it just sounds like forbidding kiss on a gay dance floor like exactly
1: would be good
0: <laughs> um, Anyways, keep But so
1: we went we went home together and he knew he he knew that I'd wanted to be spanked, so I had this beautiful introduction to spanking, mm. and um, it did become sexual as well. And it was just a really beautiful kinky experience. So that that really was essentially my first sexual experience. And I think I um, I got cuffed to the bed, and it was very playful. And we talked about what we wanted, and I didn't get pushed too far. Um, mm. But it was it was beautiful and it was it was the start of a um now we have been together for eleven years. So yeah start of a kinky romance.
0: That is awesome. And there's another there's another good title right there. Start of a kinky (laughs) romance.
1: (laughs) We've got to start our own band brand, I think. (laughs) Well, I told
0: you my favorite band is over in Melbourne, Australia.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Cat Empire.
0: The Cat Empire, love them.
1: You're yep. going to fit right in here. Don't
0: worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so interesting. And uh, so when, when you say, you know, you weren't pushed too far, I mean, how was that? Did you guys have, like, red, yellow, green going on? Or did he just kind of, was he sensitive to your body language and the tone of your
1: voice? Like, We definitely had those explicit sef- uh, safe words. Mm-hmm. Um And also, just in terms of how sexual it was, it didn't, you know, have to go as far as all the way. Um,
0: Okay. And what about the spanking? I mean, did, I guess we'll get more into kinks later, but now that you mentioned mm -hmm. spanking, I mean, I have a little paddle hanging next to my bed.
1: (laughs) Oh, lovely, adorable. (laughs) Uh, What has
0: your journey with spanking been like?
1: Um, It was one of those uh, teenage fantasies. So Mm -hmm. that was sort of one of the clues that I might be kinky. I did get to explore it, um, early on I identified more submissive. It was a switch, perhaps, but more submissive. And I probably received more spanking. Um, okay. both, both, uh, bare and with, you know, paddles or, uh, floggers or, sort of whips and other things. Um, I don't push myself too far. But in recent years, it's actually more that I'm the giver of the spanking. Oh. And that's, you know, you've sort of got to learn how to do that and how to get a good rhythm and be tuned into how your sub is reacting.
0: Okay. So why the transition? I mean, not to say, you know, that you're not bottoming too sometimes because I don't really know that, but I'm just curious what that transition was like. And, I mean, is there, like, role play involved? Like, what is it that attracts you to being the top of that fetish?
1: Oh, well, now we're probably getting into my... my- kinks as well so i I identify as a switch and i probably have for uh, a long time for you know maybe my whole kinky time Mm -hmm. but these in recent years i'm very much more a top or a dom so i do i do bottom occasionally um for specific people but in general i much prefer to top and so learning those um skills of impact play are really important
0: (laughs) well just so we don't get too far into kinks just yet because i have a few oh, more questions for you course, <laughs> we'll we'll put a pin in that one now i do want to know more a little bit about your relationship with your primary partner are you guys in like an open relationship or or polyamorous relationship of any sort because i i do remember you mentioning earlier that you were pansexual mm.
1: yes fortunately we are um we both consider ourselves polyamorous and we do have an open relationship and i was asked funnily enough my sister recently i'm very i'm very out to my sister recently asked me how did i first start the open relationship how did it open up and in fact it was open from the beginning oh okay so my partner john um was seeing other people and like we got together and things sort of became more romantic with us at, at a certain point but um it never really stopped being open and also um in kink you can also play with people just in a bdsm context as well Mm -hmm. so you could go to a a dungeon party and maybe just get tied up with someone and it doesn't have to go any further than that so that's still part of an open relationship as well as sort of a sexual side
0: okay Now, did you ever see yourself in an open relationship when you were, you know, a teenager? Or, like, did this come as something totally new to you? Or were you always open to that kind of possibility?
1: Hmm. I didn't know it existed. However, I knew I wasn't, um, I didn't see myself settling down Mm -hmm. um, easily. Like, um, marriage didn't really appeal to me. um, And maybe a conventional relationship. Didn't appeal that much to me. I didn't really know there were other options out there. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, and then, I mean, once I figured it out, like, I I am 100% all in polyamorous. I I feel like I have a great capacity for love, and I love to love as many people as I possibly can.
0: (laughs) That's so sweet, though.
1: Sweet Gwendolyn. Yeah. Um, So
0: let's talk a little bit about the difference between polyamorous and and being, like, in just an open relationship, because there is a difference, Mm -hmm. and I wonder how many listeners out there, you know, have heard these words thrown around and, and really don't understand.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'm the um, best person to give a textbook definition. And there sure. are lots of books like The Ethical Slot um, and others written about this. I think polyamorous is a very, is a very open. So I'm quite transparent uh, with my partner about I see and I have other what I would consider relationships as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe open relationship. I think a lot of people start with an open relationship. Um, and that might mean maybe not as much information is shared, and maybe some of the other encounters are casual. Okay. So they may not develop into anything ongoing. That's my rough understanding. I could be wrong about this, and I'm sorry if I've um yeah.
0: No, I think you are you can only speak to your own experience, and it seems like that's that was your experience, you know, yeah. up to this point. Um, yeah, and I think I think you're on to something there. I mean, my partner and I are in an open relationship, but I don't really see my encounters going anywhere further than a casual like,
1: yeah.
0: hookup, or you know, I, I'm not trying. Yeah, to, I understand.
1: Yeah. yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's fantastic. Like, I love <laughs> hookups. <laughs>
0: So you are getting, you, he is your fiance. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So um, the the dynamic, are you planning on keeping this same kind of polyamorous, open kind of dynamic there?
1: Oh, definitely. It's, Um. I mean, even using the words primary and secondary partner is a bit unfair because I don't want to diminish other relationships. But sort of, I feel like I've found a, a real companion mm-hmm. in my my fiance john and um yeah we've been together for 11 years and we're getting married actually on the 5th of february 2022 so in one year's time yeah (laughs) and it's gonna be i'll just put a side note in there um so we are getting married in latex we'll be wearing latex and um our kinky guests there'll be a huge range of guests there but to our kinky guests we're saying you can wear fancy fetish wear if you want to
0: <laughs> wow that is so yeah. cool yeah <laughs> i like jokingly told my partner because we're get, we're engaged too we don't have oh, a date congratulations. yet <laughs>
1: <Thanks>. <laughs> here we are
0: no but yeah I, I jokingly said the other day i was like what if i get like a custom leather tuxedo yeah.
1: <laughs> like... yes it's possible <laughs> you can have two ceremonies though if you wanted to you oh could that's have, true you could have sort of your big mixed one and then you could have a smaller one for your kinky friends
0: oh yeah huh okay well we'll have to get to planning (laughs) um awesome so let's talk a little bit about your leather and your rubber and I I know you said you met you do identify some with the leather community but from what I've seen a a lot that you're pretty far into like the rubber scene is that accurate
1: yeah that's accurate i mean i see the word leather as sort of encompassing a lot of kinks okay um not not just i mean I, I love leather clothing as well but i see leather as a broader definition whereas i see rubber as a very specific thing of people that are interested in dressing in rubber i'm more active in the rubber scene i'm actually on the committee of melbourne rubber which is our social up and coming social group or up and coming it's four years old but we're really we've been making a lot of traction so I'm sort of maybe more visible in that.
0: Yeah. So which one, uh, I mean, did they come around at the same time for you or, or did you delve into leather or rubber, you know, first?
1: I would say leather because it was the general kinks and, and dressing up. Okay. And then rubber, um, there probably wasn't a rubber community per se 11 or 12 years ago in Melbourne. But it was, I started off by wearing rubber clothing. And then gradually more and more people in Melbourne got, got interested in rubber clothing.
0: So do you remember what your first encounter was like with the leather community? I mean, do you remember going into a particular space for the first time and thinking, oh, wow, like this is here, it
1: exists? Yes, I remember my first event uh, was an event called Kinky. Uh-huh. And it was actually run in a... Um, old oh no it wasn't even an old strip club. it was a strip club but it was a, a night of the week that wasn't opened <laughs> okay <laughs> um and it was a it was a dungeon party it was it was it had a dress code and um and people were doing you know different kinds of play you know heavy things like flogging and single tail whips uh, medical play rope play rope bondage um All sorts of stuff and and people uh, were going out also and this appealed to me very much, people were going out in roles. So you'd see a master or a mistress with a slave, you know, on a collar and leash and I was like, Wow, this is amazing and I just wanna be involved in it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What do you did you do anything that first night with anybody or were you kind of an observer?
1: I can't remember i was still uh it was in the friendship stages uh uh-huh. with my partner i can't remember i don't think so i think i just sort of dressed up and observed
0: and what about the rubber scene like what was your first when was the first time you encountered rubber and decided to put on some kind of rubber attire
1: it was soon after that um i met a lovely english couple who have their own label called slinky skin they moved up to the uk now but they were in melbourne I was interested, my partner was already into rubber and they thought that I could do some modelling of some of their garments. And so my first time was actually wearing a catsuit, like I I modelled a catsuit and um, I got to experience all these different rubber garments without necessarily buying them. Mm -hmm. So I got to try and, yeah, soon after I sort of actually started buying my own pieces. And, yeah, I've been wearing latex since and um, I, I mostly wear it from a fashion point of view. Okay. Um, I do I do plain it as well, but I I most like it. I really like fetish wear of all kinds. So I most enjoy wearing it.
0: Okay, yeah, I guess that was going to be my next question to you is, is <laughs> yeah. like having, you know, been exposed to both the leather and like the rubber scene. Are there any like major differences for you or do they all kind of like fall into the same category as far as like how they make you feel and the whole attitude?
1: No, they all fall in in the one category for me. Um, They just, I mean, obviously there's there's the two fabrics, leather and rubber, but it's also the the sort of community or activities that go around that. It's all, it's all locked in together.
0: Okay, very cool. Do you have a favorite piece of leather or a favorite piece of rubber that you own?
1: I was thinking about this. Um, and i have ha- I have a whole dungeon in my house as well so like there's a lot to choose from but i was actually going to say it's a piece that i'm going to own very soon and it's going to be my wedding dress <laughs> my, my latex wedding dress and um, i'm talking with the designer and i'm very close to ordering it um yeah it, it, it won't be white that's all i can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> now is this the same designer of the clothes that you were modeling before No, no, it's not actually. Um, There's 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 so many latex designers out there. Um, This one I picked. um, uh, They're in the UK, and I just I like I like their style of their dresses, so I've I've gone with them.
0: Okay, how how much does something like that run? I mean, like I know leather costs extremely. It's extremely expensive. I mean, I think
1: latex is a little cheaper than leather, but it is still quite pricey okay um there's a lot of competition there's a lot of different shops out there so they are competing on price um in terms of wedding dresses though i can assure you that a latex wedding dress is much much cheaper than a regular wedding dress okay um, so i'm looking at spending about a thousand australian dollars on oh my that's a wedding steal dress. for a wedding dress yeah it is isn't it and I, i'm trying to choose a dress that i can wear again Mm-hmm. so it will be a gown that i hopefully can wear to other parties
0: yeah that's true you know at least with a rubber wedding dress that you can just you can wear it out to other fetish events and yeah most most people they'll buy a wedding dress and they can only wear it one time you know yeah, yeah that's true i <laughs> know no, i'm trying to try to get my way around that have you seen that show um say yes to the dress yes i have yeah <laughs> it's so funny because i just started watching it today and i'm addicted and <laughs> now we're oh, here talking about rubber maybe dresses your,
1: your uh... Pending nuptials. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking about your own your own um, engagement. <laughs> so it seems
0: like you, you know, I, I was curious if you had some kind of mentor exploring, you know, the kink world. But it seems like your partner John has really been your like guide in this whole yeah. thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was fairly new himself, um, and so we have grown a lot together. And um, I've definitely picked up some uh, skills from other people. Mm-hmm. But um, it was hard to think of a specific mentor.
0: Yeah, that's really cool that you guys have decided to kind of explore it together. Were there any moments, you know, in these last what how how long has it been since you've been together? Like eleven years. Uh, eleven, long?
1: yeah, eleven and a bit years. Yeah. yeah.
0: Were there any moments together that you you know reached a point of I don't know like your your whole journey as far as kink and fetish goes with each other where you didn't think you would go before?
1: Oh, um, we also thought um, our relationship would never last. Like, <laughs> uh, we are. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm as I said as I said at the beginning. I, I'm 32. My beautiful partner John is 61. He's oh, wow. very very handsome, and he can party me under the table. Um, <laughs> anyone that knows him, they know him is just has got a tremendous amount of energy. Um, but we, you know, our relationship started. You know, I think it, yeah, it was quite forbidden because um, I was 20, and we just thought, oh, you know, we'll start playing with each other and seeing each other and see where it goes. We did, never thought it would last.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what about one of your most memorable experiences together as far as, you know, being in the fetish world? And I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't pry, but I'm going to pry. Yeah, um, That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you guys ever do things kinky together out in public like
1: oh yeah we really like dressing up and going out together to events and that can also involve wearing latex in public so that's not not unusual for us to sort of dress up and when when you're feeling confident it's really nice mm-hmm. to go out dressed in fetish gear and it's just another fabric. Like we're totally decent. It's just another fabric. We do play at some of the dungeon events we do play. But I'm, um, we're actually more, probably more likely to play with other people. <laughs>
0: when out. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I guess you spend enough time with each other at home. When you go out, you want to play.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, so we live in a two-bedroom apartment and one bedroom is the dungeon and the other bedroom is like the vanilla bedroom that we sleep in. <laughs> so, okay. So it's very easy to just go between the two. Now, what's the dynamic where,
0: I mean, bringing guests home, have you ever run into like, where you go into the dungeon with somebody and like, he's already there with someone and you're like,
1: well, no, that hasn't <laughs> happened, but we okay. do need to, um, we do sort of need to book who's going to use it. And okay. we just try, um, make ourselves scarce. So if either one of us has a date, <laughs> the other <laughs> one tries to get out.
0: <laughs> so, okay, cool. Good. I want to ask you one more question about your sexuality. If sure. that's okay. Okay. Your experience with, you know, other genders besides, you know, John. Besides John, I mean, have you had a lot of experience playing with other genders? And what is that dynamic like for you?
1: Yes, I've had some female lovers, and I've had one uh, trans man lover. Mm. And, yeah, it's different. And I I think part of being queer is also acknowledging that it's different with different genders. And I feel really, I mean, with women, I feel... I, I want to be super tender with them, and you know, treat them like a princess. And hmm. um, feel it's a more gentle kind of domination. And I feel I'm. I also want to be super respectful of women. With men, I feel I'm not afraid to assert my dominance a bit more with men. Okay. Yeah, and I guess it's not just. It's also acknowledging. It's really not just the gender. It's actually the person. It's like you know, sexual experience with every person is new. And it's not going to be the same between any people two people. Of the same gender. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So, I do want to ask you about your other relationships. I mean, do you have other like working relationships right now in, in your whole polyamorous dynamic?
1: Yeah, I'm really lucky um, at the moment. I, I have a um, long term play partner who I've been seeing for about six years. That's um, a revolves around um, BDSM play. Okay. And we also very, very, very good friends anyway. But I also have, um, I'm very lucky to have uh, two submissive men in my life at the moment. Hmm. Um, one of them I have a mistress-sub relationship with, and the other one I have a mummy-boy relationship with. So it's really nice. Yeah.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Now what is that
0: um, like when you meet somebody and... <clears throat> I mean do you tell them right away that you're polyamorous or do you like wait till it gets to a certain point and let them know like hey just so you know I also you know have other relationships going
1: on? Uh no, I'm really upfront. Um you know, if if I'm on a dating app or something, I, I'll say that I'm um polyamorous and I have a long-term partner. Um yeah, I just for a number of reasons. I I just would rather be upfront. Um, also, you know, it saves a bit of time if someone's not interested and, um, I don't want to sort of mislead anyone. And yeah, so.
0: So, I mean, have you ever ran into any kind of conflict with anybody about that? You know, maybe someone who was like really interested in you and then disappointed to find the fact out that you, you know, they're, you're not going to be their only partner
1: uh not really actually I think it doesn't have an opportunity to get that far
0: mm-hmm. because you're so upfront for it
1: yeah because I'm upfront. Uh, maybe if there's a spark you know maybe there's a bit of flirting and then I say hey look you know I have I, I have a partner I, I I have um it's not to say being poly as well like I have lots of time and energy for my other lovers mm-hmm. um it's not to say they're not important but I do have to say that I already have a, a primary partner.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess for, I'm I just, I'm just curious where you put the um, like, at what point do you bring it up? Because I have had a couple experiences where I'm like at a bar or wherever <clears throat> and a guy comes up and maybe buys me a drink or something and starts talking and flirting and we're flirting the whole night and maybe we kiss a little bit. And then towards the end of the night, it's like, Okay. Well, at one point do I say, Hey, I also have a fiance at home and we're open. Um, you know, and I think maybe once or twice, those guys were like, Oh, you led me on
1: the whole night. And I'm just like, well, I mean, like, I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I see where you're coming from. Um, I haven't had that experience, but, um, I think, I think, in terms of casual encounters, I think that's okay. Like I think if it's if both people know it's gonna be, you know, a casual thing or possibly even just one night, um, I think that's
0: fine. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm low key just gonna at some point get a T-shirt that says like open relationship <laughs> <laughs> <Because> I
1: just... <laughs> I have a fiance. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I don't like making
0: people feel bad, but you know, like yeah. I don't know how far this is gonna go. If you're gonna leave in ten minutes or <laughs>
1: like what? Yeah. You know? Well, there's a whole separate. Um, I'm only dipping my toes into it, but there's actually a whole separate poly scene.
0: Oh, um, that's really?
1: Separate to the geek scene. Okay, um, And I've been to a couple of poly events here in Melbourne and it, yeah, it is something geared towards people that are polyamorous and, um. What is that like?
0: I mean, do they look very similar with just the back knowledge that we're all polyamorous or like, how does that look?
1: Well, the, uh, the ones I've been to have only been social events. Okay. At, like a bar. But um, everyone there is yeah there because they know it's a polyamorous event. It's not a um. It's not like a sex on premises event. It's a social meetup, meet like minded people.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Now, do you have any leather titles or rubber titles?
1: No, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't. One of the reasons is there's not really any relevant titles in my area. So there's only a couple of titles in Melbourne and they're geared towards men. Um, ah. so we're really lacking I guess there's a there's a bit of a vacuum in terms of titles that, that I would be allowed to enter.
0: Now, like I mean, how many I mean, are there any women titles, period? Like
1: I think there are. I think there's one in Adelaide, which is another okay. city. And I think there is or there was one in Sydney, and these were leather women titles. Um, there are also some pup titles as well. I'm not sure if they open up the genders for that.
0: I mean, do you find that disappointing, or would you be running for a title anyways? I'm, I'm just curious.
1: I, I think it's a little disappointing, but I think mm-hmm. we'll get there. I think, you know, the right circumstances and the right people, you know, some, something will start up. Um, I am, I've often said if there was a title, I probably wouldn't run it for it. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm a little bit, um. Not competitive.
0: Yeah, I just, I
1: just don't know. Well, I'm not that competitive, but also, uh, like, I'd, I'd be afraid I wouldn't have that much to offer. And, uh, also I wouldn't want to be, um. Because it is a fairly, you know, it is a small, maybe compared to some of the large U.S. cities, it is a, you know, it's a city where people know each other. I wouldn't want to run against my friends. Mm. Um, Maybe uh, after a couple of years of the title existing, maybe I would run. Okay. I mean, I just have
0: this vision of, of you, like, starting the title
1: (laughs) oh yeah definitely i could start it and some of my i think some of my melbourne Melbourne rubber um committee members would say hey gwen you should get involved in actually starting it yeah that's not a bad idea maybe that plants the seed Uh, yeah i mean for
0: sure like that would be amazing um what was i going to say i was gonna the the title oh (laughs) you know it's interesting that you say that like oh i don't want to compete against my friends but you know, here in Los Angeles, the way we have it is we have, like, I don't know, like, several different titles, you know, like, a, a good handful or two of people that that have, like, a whole title. And then we all compete, like, our local titles for one Los Angeles title. Oh, and okay. And yeah. that Los Angeles title goes on to international uh competition. IML? Yeah, IML. Yeah. So... What was interesting is before the pandemic, we had a few meetings and, you know, getting to know each other more and everything. And one thing that always stuck with me was someone came and said, look, like you all have won your your bar titles or your community titles, but when you run for Los Angeles title, you're running together for a title that's going to represent this entire community. So, you know, that always stuck with me thinking, okay, that also takes one, that takes away some of the pressure, but two, it takes, it allows us to keep our camaraderie to a certain Mm -hmm. degree because it's like, oh, like, yeah, we're competing against each other, but we're all here to stand up for one thing. We're all here to compete together for that, you know? So, you know, just some food for thought. Yeah, it is. (laughs) If you ever decide to run, you know, you don't have to beat up your friends or anything <laughs> unless they're into that
1: <laughs> my friends would be
0: <laughs> I love it well let's talk a little bit more about Melbourne rubber because you you mentioned that a couple times now what is Melbourne rubber and like what is that all about how did you get on the community?
1: well Melbourne rubber is a social group um we've just had our fourth birthday mm-hmm. up until a year ago it was Melbourne rubber men so it was exclusively Mm. for men mostly identifying with gay men okay and a year ago we had some movers and shakers on the committee and we're like we're going to open it up we're going to drop the men from the title so now it's just Melbourne rubber and it's opened up to all genders and we want it to be as diverse as possible not just with gender but ethnicity ability and I'm sure there's lots of other things I've left out, but we want to try and get as many people, rep- we want to try to represent as many people as we can. And so in it, in it opening up, I was offered to be on the committee. So myself and one other woman, Mistress Jane, we're the, we're the women on the committee and we've got a other group of uh, men. And we uh, also have had a, a year where we rose to the challenge. So obviously 2020, um, we took our community online mm. Um, so we had weekly Zoom socials and we'd all dress up in our rubber and we'd get all, jump onto Zoom because we had a very severe lockdown in uh, Melbourne, Australia.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh, it was uh, a huge social outlet and I think kept people connected in a really dark time. And uh, since then, so we've sort of come out of that a bit and we actually only last week had a huge, huge, huge fourth birthday party and it was one of the few events back post lockdown Mm -hmm. and uh, we had this social dance party djs dancing and people from all sorts of different walks of life in our community um different genders and it was fantastic so i'm very 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 proud to be a part of it absolutely humbled i don't even know i don't even do much work it's other people that do all the work but um (laughs) but um yeah it's it's amazing it's such an exciting thing to be part of Wow. I mean, first I, first
0: of all, like Melbourne, from what I understand, hasn't had like any COVID cases for
1: like several
0: weeks, right?
1: Yeah, it's actually been it's actually been a few months. Oh, Occasionally, wow. we get a small amount of cases, but earlier on in twenty twenty, we had tons of cases, hundreds and hundreds per day, and our government was just very diligent and locked us down so we had quite you know quite strict rules on when we could leave the house Mm -hmm. but this went on to prevent the spread so life is mostly back to normal now and it's easier to control a small outbreak because we have sort of rules that we stick by we're still wearing masks indoors Mm -hmm. but uh, it's actually been it was a lot of heartache but it was um it was very well worth it well, I mean, you guys are reaping the rewards of that. Yeah, we right? are, yeah. we are, definitely. I mean, yeah. how,
0: what was it like to finally get back together with some people for the first time? In-
1: oh, yeah. There were people, that, there were a few dear people that I'd only met on Zoom and I'd been mm-hmm. talking to them all year on Zoom and then I only got to meet them a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's been wild. Um, and I guess it just goes to show, like, you don't, although, face-to-face connection is infinitely better. Um, You don't need that to have a community. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now that you guys are kind of coming out of it, do you have any hopes or goals for the future as part of, like, this kind of now-revisioned, you know, rubber committee?
1: Yeah, well, one of my personal ones is I'd like to see us have some female-only rubber events just because – there are plenty of male-only events um, happening in Melbourne, and I just think some female-only ones would be really amazing to have. Okay. Um, and for people to come out just in you know just in their finest latex and uh, have a, have a great night.
0: That's awesome. Do you have any ideas for names for events yet?
1: Oh gosh, I no, I, I don't. <laughs> or maybe like something like cheesy, some sort, something like slippery when wet.
0: Yeah, ooh, I like that. Because it. it could be,
1: yeah, there's a lot of innuendo in that one. But it also <laughs> sticks with our um, rubber theme, slippery.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll have to go back to earlier into the episode where we were coming up with punk band names and maybe you can get some ideas <laughs> on <from>
1: that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely.
0: Oh, gosh. Well, you know, you you were mentioning earlier, you know, some of your kinks and fetishes. And you also mentioned that you're like, oh, this event was not necessarily like a sex on premises event. Like, I have to tell you, that doesn't exist here in the States, like at least not legally. So I'm curious to know, like, what are some, well, first of all, have you traveled outside of Australia?
1: Yes, fortunately, I have. Um, I spent some time in London and went to a few fetish parties there. And uh, I thought that was sort of just a bigger and better version of Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Um, Spent a little bit of time in New York and went to a private party. So wasn't aware of the um, sort of more public scene that they had there. But also a big highlight for me in 2017 was going to Mr. International Rubber in Chicago, where my partner uh, competed. And yeah, that was great—a whole weekend of events and meeting different people—and yeah, I really felt very privileged to attend that. Oh wow! How do you been to the states very much at that point? Or no, not at all. That was my first. That was my first trip there. Oh my gosh! What a trip <laughs> it was! It was. I did also go to LA, um, but I didn't go to any fetish events in LA. Oh wow!
0: Do you remember like one highlight of your time there at MIR?
1: Oh, I gotta say the competition was quite spectacular, and quite a good show. Um, and I was sitting on the stage as well in kind of like cabaret style seating. <laughs> so I got to be entertained by the uh, different competitors. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, I've only seen little snippets of rubber
0: competitions, but from what I hear, they're like a lot more fun. <laughs> I
1: don't know I guess the it's right a fun. Yeah, it's a it's a fun community and um yeah, it's a bit novel. I guess it's a fun fabric as well. What do you
0: remember one of like the um rounds of of like judging or elements of competition that they had up there on the stage that was particularly entertaining?
1: Well, I think the funniest one is the mystery bag that they do every year in the competition. So it is a bag of like 5 cheap novelty store items and they have a um like a house gimp and the <laughs> the contestants have to do something creative with those items oh
0: okay so it could be like anything like a marker and um... oh yeah okay
1: <laughs> could be anything could be a rubber chicken could be i don't know some weird tape or balloons or yeah anything now when... they make it i think they make it silly on purpose <laughs>
0: yeah because you're there to have fun at the end of the day right like definitely yeah um uh, you said john was in the competition
1: or... yeah he was so that was the year so he won our local um title of melbourne rubber man 2017 and in the same year he went to compete in in mir and yeah v- fortunately i mean he did a great job and he came um first runner-up oh wow yeah it was quite he did very well yeah (laughs) uh
0: what what was his mystery bag do you remember
1: oh no i don't remember (laughs) i wish i did it was quite a few years ago now so i don't remember
0: that's so cool though that he got first runner up out of you know however many contestants i think there
1: may have been eight contestants and they're they're all really good because they've all often they've competed in uh, other local competitions so yeah
0: so did you get to experience the leather scene in Chicago? Because that is like the high, like one of the highlight leather places to go in the country.
1: Oh, okay. I did go to a few events. Obviously, there were mixed events that I could go to with other women, mm-hmm. um, as well as men and other genders. But there were, I think I probably missed out on a few male-only events. Oh, okay, I see.
0: All right. Well, um, I mean, is there anything else memorable from that experience in Chicago that you'd like to share with us?
1: Oh well, not that I can. No, not
0: that I can think of. Yeah. That's probably it. Oh, <laughs> well, that's really, really awesome that you got to experience all of
1: that. Yeah, I did go to a leather bar in Chicago. I can't remember which one, but I did go to like a very authentic leather bar. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah, leather is like um, it, it, that's like where the competitions started, like yeah, originated from. So yeah, but yeah, the what's really cool about Chicago is, from what I hear, I've never been to Chicago, um, is that the cops don't. They kind of turn a blind eye to sex on premises
1: (laughs) yeah i think it's similar here in melbourne yeah we have a very um like almost like a landmark case that happened about 20 years ago where there was a um a raid on a night on a sort of gay nightclub where they um sort of brazenly strip searched Mm -hmm. all the patrons and they had like a class action against the police for doing that and since then, there's been a culture of, um, the culture's improved mm-hmm. and sort of the police are mostly okay with sort of um, queer and leather related things. Oh,
0: well, can I pick your brain a little bit about that?
1: Um, yeah, sure. Because,
0: I mean, historically, uh, the leather bars here have been, and, and just gay bars in general in Los Angeles and, you know, all over the, the country historically they've been raided countless times and
1: oh, okay yeah.
0: um there there are stories of back in the day where you'd be at a gay club and two men would be dancing with each other two women would be dancing with each other and then there would be some kind of signal that the cops are coming and everybody would switch so all the men were dancing with the women <gasps> oh, um, wow! and like there was never i don't know if that that kind of class action lawsuit kind of thing would work here or i, I mean i don't know if anyone's ever even tried that here, but I can imagine that the community in Melbourne is much more like focused. Like it's not, cause it is like a big city, like you were saying earlier. Right. But it's not like the United States where it's like this huge, like mm-hmm. gargantuan area of land. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, um,
1: frankly, I think, I think maybe the cops have less power here mm-hmm. or they're held more in check. So maybe they wouldn't sort of, Reasonably, I mean, this is broad, I'm sure there's negative cases, mm-hmm. but um, in broad strokes, I think they don't want to target our, our community. I see.
0: Yeah. So they, they like essentially, like you're saying, they probably have like a little bit less uh, power than <laughs> they would here. I think maybe. so. I
1: think so. Yeah. yeah. I think a slightly different, slightly different culture. Now that
0: bar, that, that case, do you know if that was a particular like a gay club, or was it just any straight club, or or any? Club? Um, I
1: think it's called the Tasty Nightclub Raid. It probably would have been a gay nightclub, um, if not a gay night.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this was back in the nineties. Okay. So before before my time, but I've heard that I've heard that that experience sort of allowed the BDSM venues of today to be able to have sex on premises. Wow and get away with sort of having, you know, um, people engaging in BDSM play as well. Mm
0: -hmm. Wow. That's so interesting. Now, does that also come along with having alcohol? Like, cause I know here in the States, we have some places that are like, you know, you can't have sex on premises, like, that's what it's for, but you can't serve alcohol and vice versa. That's why we can't do it at the bars a lot because it's just not legal to have alcohol Mm -hmm. and sex in one sitting. Like,
1: I know it's quite bizarre, isn't it? I don't see how that, how that is a rule thankfully here I don't think it is that much of an issue I mean one of my favorite possibly my favorite uh, kink events called provocation which is a monthly dungeon event a fantastic fantastic big event mm-hmm. it happens at a nightclub that has both sexual premises and alcohol oh my so, <laughs> so it really is all the fun oh my gosh I'm coming to Melbourne right? <laughs> yeah you gonna fit you're gonna fit right in Brandon. you fit right yeah <laughs> I
0: love it. I mean, have, I mean, well, you. I guess you don't have to tell us, but I mean, have you had sex on
1: premises before? Yeah, I have. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, have. <laughs> I love how quick you were to answer that. Um,
1: no, I haven't. I, have, <laughs> I, I, don't. I don't identify as a swinger. Um, that's a different level of exhibitionism that I. I wish I had, but I actually don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I have. I have events, um, and yeah, it's it's an experience. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, let's get to know a little bit more of your kinks before we go, because I know sure. you're dipping in and out of it, but let's, all, let's dive head first. So what are some of your kinks and fetishes, maybe, you know, in or around leather or, or rubber or, you know, even if they're not, what, what are some of your kinks and fetishes?
1: Well, I've been thinking about this lately anyway. And I would, right now, I'd say my biggest kink is power exchange and role play.
0: Power exchange and role play.
1: Power exchange and role play. Okay. So it's It's usually from the perspective of being a, a dom. I really enjoy that. I really enjoy someone trusting me to sort of take charge of the situation. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy the language. So, you know, mistress, sub, mommy, boy, whatever, daddy, girl, all those things. And I like other role plays as well, like more novel role plays, like nurse and patient. Um oh, okay. but I found every I've had all the other types of play are just there to reinforce that. So I really like say rope bondage, both giving and receiving mm-hmm. and things like spanking and wax play and dress ups and latex, um, probably all sorts of other types of play. But, <laughs> but I find those I find those more the physical aspects just reinforce the psychological aspect. So for me it's this, it's, it's that psychological aspect oh. that I like.
0: Okay, let me, let me make sure I'm understanding here. So are you saying, like, the, the overarching thing for you is a role play where you, there's a power exchange, but you use fetishes like wax or bondage or spanking or what have you to be a part of that and enhance it and maybe play it out?
1: Exactly, yeah. Okay.
0: okay. So
1: there's other fetishes of what you're doing, um, so we're physically tying someone up, but it's sort of the the power exchange of of doing it and sort of talking to them in that language.
0: Okay. Now, when it, uh, you mentioned mommy and boy, what does that yeah. play in in title? Ty- because I guess I've never done a mommy boy thing with anybody.
1: Yet. Yeah. So, yeah. What is that? Well, it's interesting because I guess that daddy girl is so commonplace, mm-hmm. or daddy boy is so commonplace. It's um, it's it's a lot like that. I feel. If I'm in a mummy head space, I feel particularly nurturing and giving. I I probably treat the sub very gently. Mm. And I guess they're able to relax and maybe act a little bit silly or juvenile. And it's not, I I haven't explored it to a huge degree. For me, it's just a twist on mistress sub. So I'm very comfortable with mistress sub, but mummy boy just feels like an extension of that.
0: And what what kind of language are you using? I mean, when you're... In the Dom role, are you, like, you know, besides your nurturing, I mean, do you get into, like, degradation or humiliation or, like, what other sorts of roles are you filling?
1: Um, I do like a bit of degradation humiliation. I like, a really like dirty talk. I guess everyone's got those words that really turn them on. Mm-hmm. So it might be whore or slut, or that would be for the sub. hmm well, I guess once you work those words out, you can use them. Uh, as for myself, I'm not that creative with what people call me. Like, I, it would be mistress or ma'am or goddess. I'd love to, I'd love to be called goddess. Um, <laughs> okay. And so I'm not that creative on my end. Maybe on the sub end, there's all sorts of things that people like to be
0: called. So you're not that picky with the name that you get called necessarily?
1: Um... No one's gone anywhere, done anything wrong yet, so no one's called anything, <laughs> anything that I haven't liked. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I actually invite, invite my subs. Yeah, sure, say something different. Say something apart from mistress. I, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> I'd love to hear
0: it. <laughs> I'm curious if, if maybe you've ever gone by the titles of Sir or Daddy.
1: Oh, no, I haven't. I, I identify as very femme. Like, I really like that high femme, mm-hmm. severe mistress look. However, and I don't think this is TMI for this uh, podcast, but I do really enjoy strap-on play. Um, so re- wielding a strap-on, so that's a different kind of headspace as well. Um, okay,
0: when you say strap-on, do you mean like you're strapping a dildo on yeah. yourself? Yeah, okay. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So pe- pegging. Okay, um, pegging. Yeah.
0: Now, do you do that with men or women or or all genders? Or? All
1: genders. Yeah, all genders. Yeah, it's a, it's a... If anything, I still... F- I actually feel perhaps more female. This is sort of the the head fuck of, the, of, of gender. Oh, really? Um, I actually feel... Um, I mean, I feel a little masculine, but it just makes me feel more, more powerful and more fem... This blend of mes- masculine and feminine. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's... I really enjoy that type of play.
0: I mean, that's interesting that you say that. It makes me feel more like, you know, a woman, but... But, you know, at at the end of the day, like, masculinity and femininity has all been socially assigned and Mm. doesn't really have any meaning unless we give it meaning. And so it's just interesting for you to say that, like, oh, it actually makes me feel more female. Yeah, I guess I've never heard that before, at least not in that way.
1: I guess it's that sort of, you know, very strong image of a, you know, um, leather clad dom Mm-hmm. with a big cock <laughs> <And> that, <laughs> that is um candidly that is um something i i uh sometimes aspire to
0: okay we should make that the title of our, of our episode leather clad dom with a big cock sweet big yeah. comes on the show
1: <laughs> <laughs> i love it i'm not gonna argue with that
0: <laughs> so i wonder if before you go uh if you can maybe share with us one or two of your kinkiest experiences, can you take us with you to the dungeon? Oh, yes, please. <laughs>
1: um, I was thinking about this and uh, it's very hard to pick one. So I, my memory only served me with a recent one. And that is with my current sub who uh, we met on a dating app. And one of his photos, he had a cowboy hat on. Now, I already had a cowgirl costume. Mm. I've always wanted a cowgirl costume. I always wanted to be a cowgirl. It was a very unfulfilled fantasy. And so for my birthday, I asked him to dress up as a cowboy for me. Okay. And he did. And we had this super cheesy, like, I was the dominant cowgirl. And he was, like, the submissive cowboy. And we had the American accents and, like, the cheesy language. And we Wait, hold on. Before we get too far into this, what... Can you do an American accent? I can. I was like, howdy cowboy. Uh, do you know how to treat a lady? <laughs> I'm just making this up. <laughs> but it was like that. It was totally, it was totally off. I mean, I planned it. I did plan it. Cause I planned, oh, wow. I put a, I put a lot of planning into all of my scenes, uh-huh. but um, it was off the cuff. Like all that, all that role play was off the cuff. And I, I tied him up, I spanked him. I, he had this beautiful outfit and at some point I got him to undress, but I left uh, got him to leave the cowboy boots on. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it was really hot. It was amazing. And it totally fulfilled my I totally got to fulfill my um being a cowgirl fantasy. I love that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a there was actually a, a guest that came on the show the other day, leather cowboy. And now oh. everybody now everyone is having me think of this whole leather fantasy or this cowboy fantasy. So. Oh, you should do it. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I have to say, you're the first person to do an American accent on the show. So <laughs> <laughs> <That's
1: funny. laughs> you have to get more Aussies on here. I do. I do.
0: <laughs> well, I'm curious to know, when you first came into the whole kink fetish scene, and versus to where you are now 11 years later, has the meaning of kink and fetish and the whole community changed or evolved for you over time?
1: The meaning has changed. I probably saw it as something, you know, just for the bedroom, something maybe frivolous. Mm-hmm. I thought it would be a small part of my life, um, where in fact it is a huge part of my life. Like outside of my career, I'd yeah. say kink is the biggest thing in my life. And it just – it is very wholesome, and it can be very wholesome, and it, can, it permeates my whole life. Like so many of my, my friends I've met through the kink scene. And, um, yeah.
0: What is one thing that just makes the whole thing special for you? Like if someone were to say, why is rubber special? Why is leather special? Why is kink special? Why should I be a
1: part of it? I'd say fantasy and playing Mm -hmm. games. I feel like it's an adult way of playing childish games Mm -hmm. that can be very wholesome, very therapeutic and just, just really fun.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And Where would you like to see the future generations of the fetish community go, at least as far as Melbourne? I mean, we already talked about, you know, breaking down those walls of changing the rubber men to just Melbourne rubber encompassing everybody. Um, I mean, is that the direction you hope to see it go? Or, you know, what kind of changes would you like to see in the next 10 years?
1: Hmm. I think that's inevitable. I think uh, things around gender will break down. I think that's becoming it's becoming less relevant what gender you are
0: mm-hmm.
1: um i think kink is becoming ever more mainstream and i think it's a a really valid thing to come out about i hope that it's becoming less taboo to come out about it so just as we said before you know you can come out about your sexuality you can also come out about your kink
0: mm-hmm. absolutely and if you were to uh have a message for any of the future generations of kink people coming out in the next, you know, 10, 20 years, what would that message be?
1: I would say work out your boundaries and don't be afraid to articulate them. Mm -hmm.
0: And uh, for the older generations of kink fetish community, what would your message be to them?
1: I respect you and everyone wants to be part of it like you are. Uh, newer and more diverse people also also want to be part of the kink scene absolutely well uh before we go how can we reach out to you how can we stay connected how can we find out more about melbourne rubber okay so um i'm somewhat private on my instagram but if you'd like to send me a message at gwendoline.sweet i'd love to hear from you and yeah we can connect over there um on fetlife i'm sweet Gwendolyn. And you can also reach me through Melbourne Rubber's Facebook group or our website, melbournerubber.com.
0: Absolutely. Well, before we go, do you have any last statements you'd like to make to our audience?
1: Oh, just thank you for listening. I hope this finds you well. If you'd like to reach out to me, I'd, I'd love to hear from you.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the show and hope to see you soon at the Zoom party.
1: Thank you, Brandon. It's been absolutely the highest honour to be interviewed by you.
0: Thank you so much. Well, before we go, I would first like to thank everyone who joined us this last Sunday at our Bite the Bullet event. It was such a blast. And I want to give a huge shout out to Volta Charge, who was so incredible to work side by side with on this. Volta, if you're listening, thank you so much for all of your time, efforts and talents that you put into this night, and for making it as special as it was. A huge shout out to all of our sponsors, models, performers, and everyone involved with making this whole night possible. We raised a little over $6,500, and we could not have done that without you. Thank you to everyone who bid on items and donated, and I'm still just overwhelmed about how many people just came together that night to give back to the community. All of the proceeds will be going towards the LALC Cares and Boulevard Pantry, whose mission really has been to help the community in times of crisis over this last year. I also want to offer my sincere gratitude to the LA Leather COVID-19 Assist, started and operated by Eric Wilson, Mr. SoCal Leather 2019, and Jeff May, Mr. Regiment 2020. They are officially closing the doors to this program as of this last week, and I want to say thank you to them for being a huge lifeline for so many over this last year. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find out more about everything Leather Talk by following me on all of my social media platforms. If you find it in your heart to leave a positive review on the iTunes page, that is always greatly appreciated. And do make sure to hit subscribe so that you can get notifications each week a new episode is released. As always, you can find me on Instagram and Patreon as Leather Talk Mr. Bullet and Twitter as Brandon LA. Thanks again for listening. And as always
1: stay safe stay healthy and stay kiki Okay